Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, report were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to the NFL Talking Heads Fantasy Football Podcast Show. Here are your hosts, Jeff Carrier and Seth Lowell. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the NFL Talking Heads Fantasy Football Podcast Show. I am your host, Jeff Carrier, and my co-host here is Seth Lull, and we are back for another great episode. Seth, following up our great marathon of the 12-part series on the Fantasy Football Draft Special, I think it went pretty good. We're getting some great feedback, and it's great to be back on the microphone once again. Yeah, it's always it's always good to kind of do things differently, keep it fresh. And I think, you know, our listeners, just based on a lot of the feedback we've received so far, has, you know, they, they kind of enjoyed the layout and how we did things this year. Um, at perfect time, right? End yep. of August, getting ready to, to get going. And now we're now we're into it. You know, we are in, in full swing. Um, we got a couple busy, two or three busy weeks ahead of us for fantasy drafts. Absolutely, and uh, we know a lot of people are still going through the draft series. It is a uh, large amount of episodes and hours to consume um, and only in one short week, but we figured we'd have a good follow-up episode. We're going to give you guys, I think we have 13 stats that you need to know, but first, Seth, we want to take a quick second, and we have a lot of people that have joined the Talking Heads Nation, and we're very grateful. Uh, we've had people that actually have been on for more than 12 months since last year, winning several championships, and we thank them as well. Um, but for the people that have joined just since we last our, uh, dropped our draft special, we want to quickly give them a shout-out for joining and hope they stay on board. They've been drafting, uh, downloading the draft grid, which have been receiving some great feedback, a revolutionary item in the industry, giving you that step-by-step guide uh so a couple quick names here seth and then you can kind of follow up with any comments that you might have on all the people that have have pledged into the talking heads nation and first up we have is shane o'sullivan curtis flint uh finn brandon hartline megan powell mark clapton david david salcedo kyle mann greg rowe shane smith uh, Victor Demata, Michael Blount, Barrett Salta, Kyle Kashuda, Austin Partridge. Uh, we have Austin Partridge as I think the last one there. So well, a lot of names to go through. We, you know when you're going through a long list of names, it's it's going to take you a while because you're <laughs> you know you're going to stumble on a few here and there. Yeah, I got a but couple anyway, couple duplicates here, so I don't know what the system is spinning back in terms of notifications. But uh, very grateful that people have joined and been getting some good feedback in terms of the draft grid and the projections that we've been able to provide. And one of the things that we're actually going to be able to do this year, set that we're really excited about and we want to do this episode on stats, is that we have access to um, a new platform, a new system that gives you uh, a very granular look at week-to-week stats, year-over-year stats, I think is going to really help us determining which players you should start. So everyone that is already in our private group messaging is going to get access to this 
through the NFL Talking Heads. And if you haven't joined yet, you may want to consider joining our private group message. You're literally messaging Seth and I at all hours of the night. I'm turning over in the middle of the night. I'm getting a private message from someone over in California, right, Seth? It's like midnight. I'm rolling over. I'm responding back to messages. But this tool, this is giving us information in terms of the past three seasons, uh, how players play in the cold, how players play in the snow, if there's wind over 15 miles an hour, if they're playing in the first half or the second half of game, what kind of uh, field, if they're playing on grass or turf, if they have a history playing against head coaches. We're going to get really granular in our week-to-week data, and we're going to be able to give back that information to everyone in the private group message. We're excited to announce that as well. Yeah, it's kind of cool when you go in there. It's like you don't even really know where to begin. There's so many different options. It's like, what do I, what do I, what do I look for? Which is why, you know, once the season starts, we'll have, you know, a better idea of, of what we want to look for based on matchups, players, etc. But going into it earlier today, you know, you have you can sort by any position. Um, you can go over the last three seasons, five seasons, ten seasons, all these different types of splits, home road. Um, cold weather, indoors. It's just, it's crazy. There's a, a lot of, of cool things you can do with it. So it's going to be, it's going to be cool to see, you know, what we're able to, to do with it and how we're going to be able to use it to our advantage this season. Yep. Now, Seth, let me do my opening question that I always love to start with. This is a, a Twitter poll that I put out earlier this week. And I was just really curious to see what the feedback would be because it just kind of dawned on me that there's a player, Tariq Cohen, kind of sitting in the middle of the, of the draft, early middle of around 680p, typically, in PPR leagues, of course. And the question was simple. I'm going to ask you, you're going to give me your feedback, then I'll let you know what our audience, uh, what their thoughts were. Would you say Tariq Cohen's game usage, and pure game usage, is going to be more similar to Dion Lewis or James White? James White. Okay. I agree, and so does everyone else agree. So here's the weird part. If everyone else agrees on Twitter with you know that's following us, that participated in this poll, I agree, you agree, then why is Tariq Cohen nearly the, the ADP of Dion Lewis? Dion Lewis, last time we talked, was around 5 ADP, Tariq Cohen 6. James White now just had a preseason game, so his ADP might be going up a little bit, but last time that we did the draft series, his ADP was 13. I feel like there's the. This is something that just doesn't make sense. This is one of those scenarios that just it, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, I mean, I I don't even think it's it's close. I mean, Deion Lewis had five games last season with over 15 carries, with, with 15 or more carries. I know he's kind of a workhorse. Um, Tariq Cohen is, I think, a lot closer to James White, and I have I have no idea why his AD, his ADP is where it is. Um, especially he's not he's not on a great off. This isn't this isn't the New England Patriots. This is the Chicago Bears. So even if you think their offense is going to improve um, with Matt Nagy, you know, with you know Mitch Trubisky entering his second season, and they've added some pieces at tight end and Allen Robinson and such, maybe their offense improves. Even if it improves, that's th- those are pretty lofty expectations for Tariq Cohen, given you know his small sample size and what you know type of player he's proven to be. Yeah, I mean, you could even make the argument that he should be even at the very least closer to Duke Johnson's ADP. I mean, he, he kind of compares a little bit to him in terms of very minimal carries and obviously a big contributor in the passing game. Agreed. 
Well, that was one interesting thought I had. I know there's a lot more out there that just kind of you look at the usage and where they're going ADP wise, and just for some reason just doesn't make sense. And he's one of those players, Tariq Cohen. You know, albeit a rookie last year, new system. I want to do more information on him, but from what it looks like right now, it just seems like you can get a fairly similar person slash production at a much later round. And Seth, that's going to bring us, before we get into our stats, that's going to bring us to our episode sponsor today. And we are glad, ecstatic to be actually sponsored by FanDuel themselves. A lot of people have probably heard FanDuel over the last several years. Maybe you have actually joined. Maybe you haven't decided to dip your toes in yet. And I'll tell you what, Seth and I have the deal and a half for FanDuel. If you want $23, you can get it. Just sign up with your first deposit at FanDuel.com slash Talking Heads. And with your first deposit, FanDuel will put 20 bucks in your account. And FanDuel has been changing over the last several years. So if you haven't jumped in in a little while or if you haven't jumped in at all, there's a lot of new things that they're doing. Um, first of all, they're exploring into the survivor world. You know, a lot of us play these office pools where you have to kind of organize all your friends and your um office mates that you don't really talk to a lot about but you want to do a survivor pool where you pick one pl- one team each week week in week out all they have to do is win that's it it's like the simplest thing on earth right Seth? but somehow it's very difficult and as soon as you pick that one team then you're out um you can't use them again and if they lose then you're out well FanDuel is actually hosting this whole thing for you they're managing the money you log in you don't have to worry about talking to other people uh, payouts or anything like that, they're doing that for you. They're also doing a new thing where they call Beat the Score. I, I love the idea of this. Every time we don't know what we need to do to score and win in FanDuel. Do I need 100 points? Do I need 120? Do I need 140? Mm-hmm. Now you can enter contests with the idea of exactly what I need to beat the score and then I can win. I, I love these new things they're always implementing. They obviously have all the other gigantic tournaments to win large sums. Um, they have 50-50s, head-to-heads. They have a lot of new types of contests that you can join. And you can join today and get $20 by going to FanDuel.com slash Talking Heads. Yeah, and one of my well, one of my, my, my favorite thing is they've done away with the kicker, right? Yep. No longer do you have to waste time trying to pick a kicker which is just the you know it's like it is just a complete shot in the dark i always go with the cheapest kicker without fail every single week sometimes i'll try and get cute and go with uh you know try and overthink it like you always do with kickers and you always see these people that pick these ridiculous kickers they just get lucky the kicker gets like 20 points in FanDuel, and boom or you know the kicker that you draft gets gets a zero bomb or gets two or three points and you're like you know three points and you're like okay great i lost because of a kicker again no more kickers are out of the equation. You can start a flex player now, which is much better. You know, we're we're all in draft in uh, you know season long leagues where we have flex flex spots. I'm a big fan of of flex spots, so it's awesome that FanDuel is allowing you to start a flex player and no more kicker. Yeah, and flex makes it so much more dynamic. I mean, just so much more dynamic. It's not automatic two running back, three wide receivers. You have an additional flex that, of course, we don't have to worry about the kicker. But now we're dealing with three additional positions. You know, figuring all that out. um, FanDuel knows that sometimes it could be a little difficult putting the team together. So they've actually created a new tool called the Guru. 
It helps making lineups easier and simpler for everyone out there. For any skills, doesn't matter who you are. It allows you to be more confident when you're putting the best team on the field. It's a responsive, wizard-like draft experience. And you can j- download the Guru tool for free and use it. So check check out FanDuel if you haven't. This is, I think this is definitely the year, Seth, to jump in with two feet and try out FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash Talking Heads. Make your first deposit and get 20 bucks. All right, let's kick off these stats here. I'm excited to, to dive a little deeper into these stats, the devil's in the details. And I, I'm going to kick this off, Seth. And I always like to talk about what? Consistency. And during playoffs, right? Because we're trying to win championships. That's the ultimate goal. So the first thing I did on this new platform that we have is I want to look back at the fantasy playoffs and see who is doing what around that time. So my first one is around the fantasy playoffs over the last three seasons. I figured three seasons is pretty reasonable in terms of a lot newer players and not, you know, getting older data from five plus years ago. So over the last three seasons, the person with the most receptions during the fantasy playoffs is. Do you want to? Do you want to take a stab at this at all? I would, I would like to take a stab at this. Let me see. Okay. Uh, I'm I'm gonna say over the last three seasons, right? Last three seasons. Yep. Jarvis Landry. Uh, he is he's not number one. No. Okay. Who? It is Demarius Thomas. Jarvis Landry is actually fourth. Interesting. Um, okay, I, I like it. Um, I think, you know, it doesn't come... I mean, it surprised me a little bit because he's not someone you think about as a top five fantasy receiver. But his his better days are behind him. So I don't really like him moving forward, but that's not to say he hasn't been a solid fantasy player in years past. Um, so I'm not completely shocked by it, but that's kind of cool to know. Unfortunately, you know, we talk about all the time, fantasy playoffs are important. One of the reasons why we don't always just look at fantasy playoffs is... You know, give it too much weight is because you got to get to the fantasy playoffs first. Um, but that is that is a cool one. Yeah, I like it because you know sometimes we forget maybe how consistent he is, and I think this is maybe a more of a um, how balanced he is from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. Let me flip this. This is the same stat, so I don't want to um, you know keep adding more. I know we're going to go back and forth here, but in comparison, Larry Fitzgerald is fifteenth. And nearly 30 less receptions in just those three weeks over those last three years. So we all know Larry Fitzgerald typically, historically, over the last couple of years is what? Started off hot, right? Yeah. So this is something to consider. Um, either if you're going to trade him, if you're going to draft him, whatever. Let's remember that maybe because of his age, we're not too sure you know, what all the contributing factors are. But the point is, is that he is ranked 15th and Demir Thomas is one in terms of receptions. And, and of course, this is matters more for PPR leagues uh, during the fantasy playoffs for the last three seasons. I like it, and to, to kind of stay on that same uh, you know topic of consistency, one that I found which I thought was pretty interesting, you know, is quality starts. And whenever I hear quality starts, I always think about baseball, right? Quality starts for pitchers, six innings or more, um, with I think what's the three, thirty-three run runs or less. Um, for quality starts for receivers. There's only one player, one wide receiver in the NFL for fantasy last year that was drafted after the second round, or his, or his ADP is after the second round. So somebody this year, ADP, second round or later, who had 10 or more quality starts. And to kind of give you an idea of what quality starts is, this is for standard scoring, so you got to take into account PPR. 
not a perfect stat, but it's it's eight points or more. Um, so how many games they had with at least eight points, right? So in standard scoring, you know, touchdown and 20 yards is it's that eight point threshold. So that takes out, you know, there's there's the great, there's quality starts, and then there's just great, which is over 13 fantasy points, right? So I wanted to whittle it down a little more and look at quality starts where eight points or more, you know, which players are remarkably consistent. If they have eight points or more, chances are they're going to be well in the double digits for PPR. So can you guess what receiver, and I, I know that's kind of a long-winded um, explanation, but can you guess which receiver is the only fantasy receiver to have at least 10 quality starts last season and is going after the second round this year? He had 10, 10 quality starts. 10 quality starts. That's so, a lot. And to give, yep. Yeah, that's, that's a lot. Uh, and this is this is standard, right? Which, because um, that's, yeah. that's, that's the only way we could filter this data here on this specific site. Um, I want to make sure that was clear because we typically talk in PPR. I'm guessing, obviously, a, a, um, a guy who catches, you know, longer yards, probably more touchdowns. Um, yep, he had, he had nine touchdowns last year. Marvin Jones. Correct. Marvin Jones. Ten quality starts. To put it in perspective, Tyreek Hill had eight. Uh, Golden Tate had seven. Devontae Adams, Doug Baldwin both had under ten. Um, you know, so Antonio Brown, I believe, had nine, but he didn't play a full season. So point is, Marvin Jones is somebody who was remarkably consistent last year. One of the highest average yards per catch leaders in the NFL. I think he was second. Um, nine touchdowns. So, you know, you look at his numbers and you kind of think, okay, he's he's more, you know, can be somewhat of a boomer bust guy, but the volume was there last season. And he, he's somebody we talked about him a lot last weekend when we recorded, um, you know, the the twelve part special for the for the upcoming draft. And he's somebody that even you know his ADP is inflated a little bit based on that production, but it's still he's still a great value play. He's going at the end of the fifth round for a twelve team league. So you know, you, he's somebody that's going to go late fifth, early sixth. Um, somebody who was really consistent and did have the touchdown total. He was over a thousand receiving yards, um, which is what you look for. We always talk about consistency and how important that is. You know, when you look at a player's stats at the end of the year, it doesn't always tell the full story because you know sometimes a lot of those numbers came in a two or three game span, which kind of skews it a little bit. Um, Marvin Jones was incredibly consistent the entire year. It was his second year in Jim Bob Cooter's offense in Detroit. Um, so it, it also kind of makes sense when you when you kind of put that into, into proper context. He had kind of a lackluster season in Detroit year one. Next season, bounced back, was consistent, and also you know one of the league leaders in a lot of those different stats. Yeah, and this is kind of goes to a lot of what we talk about with the importance of touchdown, touchdown rates, and touchdown regression, or you know positive regression, however you want to say it. You know. In 2016, he had 103 targets. 2017, he had 107 targets. So he was dramatically a lot more consistent last year because he had those touchdowns. Can he repeat the touchdowns is going to be the big question with Marvin Jones. I think that compared to where he actually finished as a receiver last year, he actually, on most cases or most receivers, would actually be a lot higher. That being said, you know, you you look at him and you say, well, there's definitely some previous to last year inconsistency issues which is why you know he probably has taken the current ding so 
but where he finished last year, you, you kind of feel like you're kind of getting him at an okay spot, but you just you're so reliant on the touchdowns. And where does he fit with Kenny Galladay playing a potential full season? And can they actually commit to the running game? They've never been able to do that. Detroit as a team with Matt Patricia there. Does that change? You know, these are a lot of questions that you know neither of us will know until the season actually starts. You just that's the whole beauty of fantasy football and why you love it. You just kind of have to go with the the current research that you have and go with a little bit of gut instinct and what some of the coaches are saying and so forth. Um, he's a very intriguing player though because you you're talking about a potential. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, top 15 wide receiver that you're getting outside of that top 15 ADP realm. This is why stats are so important um, to kind of refresh, do a refresher on stats because it's so easy after the fantasy season to, you know, when a few months pass, you know, to kind of forget how, especially if you didn't own this a particular player and you maybe didn't get burned by him at all, it's kind of easy to kind of, you know, for certain players to slip through the cracks. And Marvin Jones, I mean, when you look at his numbers, you look at his ADP, 510, you know, end of the fifth round, I'm, I'm like, oh, I still don't love it just because it's Marvin Jones, not incredibly sexy. But you look at his numbers last year, only had 14 catch, less catches than Tyreek Hill, only 82 less receiving yards than Tyreek Kill, and he had two more touchdowns. So, you know, we didn't use this as, a, as an example in our same player different round, but Marvin Jones, Tyreek Hill, basically no difference. Um, and Tyreek Hill is going a full two rounds earlier. And this is somebody who, you know, we talked about, you talked about, you mentioned Kenny Galladay and he has Golden Tate. Well, Tyreek Hill has Travis Kelsey and then just added Sammy Watkins. So, I think now I would rather have Tyree Kill than Marvin Jones if all things are equal. But I think Marvin Jones, even in the fifth round, even though that looks kind of, you know, not as appealing at first glance, when you kind of look at the numbers and take a peek behind the curtain, Marvin Jones, two full rounds later than Tyree Kill is a pretty solid value. Yep. And the, and the idea of these stats are to just, you know, give you the information as objectively as we can. We've kind of given you the game plan and everything that we feel strongly about in the draft series. So refer back to that on most cases in terms of who we targeting, who we're not, which we're going to provide a more specific update to the actual draft series. Um, but with a lot of these stats, you know, we weren't necessarily going out and looking for specific players to back up a point. We're like, hey, this is an interesting stat. Let's let's let everyone know about it and let's talk about it. Uh, my next stat is about cushion cushions, Seth, not the ones that you have in your living room, not the flower patterns that our parents used to have in the 80s, but the cushion wide receivers get before the snap when they are targeted. Now, this is important. Right? Can you play off a of press? You know, if you're, Are you a receiver that requires press coverage? Um, are, are teams going to change how they play you 
Here's a receiver that had 7.4, the highest cushion in the NFL last year. 7.4 yards, almost an entire first down. And he happens to be one of our favorite players, Seth. Cooper Cup. Now, Cooper Cup. I was, I was never going to guess that, so it's a good thing you went in and uh, took the initiative to, to tell me the answer. Yeah, now I don't know exactly what to make of this. You know, I, I went back to the previous year. Um, Tyreek Hill was one of the highest ones too. I think he was at seven point. He was at seven point two, and his rookie year he was at eight. Tyreek Hill. So, I, what I anticipate is is that since Cooper Cup is not a burner like Tyreek Hill, they're, they're going to play him a little bit closer. But the point is, he's playing in a very um, He's playing in a very progressive offense, right? They move him around a little bit. He's pl- typically playing the slots. So you're not going to get a ton of press coverage. So that number is likely to be in a, a pretty favorable spot, maybe not as high as 7.4. Um, and, you know, the cushion is the distance in yards that's measured between the receiver and the defender before the snap of the ball on the targets that they receive. So... Your thoughts on that? I, I thought that was very interesting that someone who's a rookie was as productive as Cooper Cup was, and the offense that he was in um, had the highest uh, cushion on snaps. Yeah, you just wouldn't expect somebody like a Cooper Cup to to be getting that big of a cushion. You expect somebody, you know, like an Antonio Brown to be getting that type of cushion, or a, or a Julio Jones, somebody like that. Yep. Follow it up, Seth. All right. All right. So my next stat is is um, you know this is a, this is a quarterback. I wanted to to kind of pick different positions here. So I think because you know with with one quarterback leagues, a lot of times quarterbacks kind of get pushed aside because they're not as valuable. Everyone waits to draft quarterbacks super late. Um, you and I were involved in a lot of two quarterback leagues. We love quarterbacks. So here's a quarterback that that I've talked about a lot um, over the past three seasons. He is inside the top five in both passing yards and touchdowns, total touchdowns. And his ADP is very respectable given the fact that he's essentially been statistically a top five quarterback over the past three seasons. He's a quarterback that's going outside, you know, right around just barely in the top 10 in that 8 to 12 range. I don't want to give it away. Um, Can you guess the quarterback? Phillip Rivers. Good guess. No, uh, Kirk Cousins, and and you know on the surface, just saying, oh, quarterback was the top five passing yards um, and touchdowns. You know that that alone isn't that earth shattering, just because it could be Aaron Rodgers. You know he was in the top five. You know Drew Brees, Tom Brady. But I like Kirk Cousins. It was kind of eye opening to me when you mentioned we don't look for certain players and look for stats to 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 back up our you know our talking point, our agenda. We wait for something to pop out you know off the screen to us and. Kirk Cousins is somebody that is still in his 20s. Um, the only other quarterback under the age of 30 that was even in the ballpark was Russell Wilson. Um, and this is someone who's going to a better offense, we believe. You know, better system all around, better weapons. Um, and he's going out. You know, he's going right now, according to Fantasy Football Calculator, he is the ninth quarterback taken off the board. So I love the upside, especially, you know, again, he was doing that in Washington with Jordan Reed, who was never healthy, and really no outside receiving threat, no running back to speak of, um, and now he's going to Minnesota, where he has a stud at basically every single skill position. So I, I like the upside. That's why I said my my bold prediction. One of my bold predictions is Kirk Cousins is going to finish the year as a top three fantasy quarterback 
He's going ninth right now. Yep. I think Kirk Cousins is arguably my number one target for quarterback in two quarterback leagues and one quarterback leagues because he's going late enough, and he is a lock. He's a lock for top 10 or top 8. I forget, over the last three seasons, his lowest finish is, I think, 8 or 10th. I'm getting going after Kirk Cousins. That offense, he goes to a better offense. He's pretty he's consistent. He's conservative. You know, He's not throwing a lot of interceptions. Uh, those weapons... Where he's going ADP, this is like the perfect, you know, NFL talking heads person. Yep. He's going to be, he's already on a couple of my teams and a couple of my, my dynasty leagues. And he's, he's going in that range that we love, kind of that middle range where you don't have to take a stab at him in any of the earlier rounds in one quarterback leagues, but you also don't have to wait and get stuck with the Mariotas or the Alex Smiths or the, or the Blake Bortles. Yep. All right. So my next my next stat is a little bit more boring, you know. In in typical me fashion, I got to do something kind of boring. And just like when a band puts out a new record, they kind of put in that bad song right in the middle of all their other songs. So I'm going to squeeze this in right in the middle of all my other stats. Uh, this is one is on separation. Now I didn't really care for the person who had the highest separation in the NFL because I thought it was a little. A little wonky, but he had a good amount of targets and receptions. That was Albert Wilson. Absolutely mind-boggling. He's now out in Miami, so I don't know if that's going to change anything in terms of getting uh, more targets, and he'll be extremely efficient, but he was efficient last year. Of course, he had a really efficient uh, quarterback in Alex Smith. He had 62 targets and 42 receptions, and he had the highest separation uh, among all receivers, the distance in yards is measured between the receiver and the nearest defender when they catch the ball or if it's an incompletion. 4.1 yards. That is a eternity in NFL. But the reason I also bring this up is because the next highest with that had a, a, a heavy volume in terms of receivers. You know, it's one thing if you're only getting 62 targets, which I thought was a pretty good volume. But the next person that really intrigued me we haven't talked a ton about love the offense. We talked about his um, teammate in terms of the combo strategy at wide receiver, Geronimo Allison, but Randall Cobb at 3.7, one of the highest ones in terms of separation in the NFL at 3.7 yards. And Aaron Rodgers doesn't need more than a yard, yard and a half. So never mind 3.7. And he's going to, and Randall Cobb's going to have a little bit less competition this year. Four targets uh, in Miami. You know, we we I talked a lot about Devontae Parker um, and Kenny Stills. Albert Wilson's the fourth receiver on the depth chart right now, behind Stills, Amendola, and Parker. But Parker's injury prone, um, so who, who knows? I mean, should I should I be, should I be adding Albert Wilson to my my late round strategy and to stock up on all these Dolphins receivers? <laughs> it doesn't sound like a very safe or smart strategy, but I don't know. I mean, Amendola gets hurt, and Parker's been a bust the entire time. So really, Albert uh, Albert Wilson and Kenny Stills could be number one, number two. Amendola, maybe. I mean, I, I think it's a very safe. I don't think it has. It's a, it's a strategy that has very much upside, but I think it's <laughs> can't get much safer than owning every single receiver on on the Miami Dolphins. Safe might be not the word I would use, but in terms of again, let's go back to Rab, Rab, uh, Randall Cobb here. Um, you know, how, does this change any uh, how you look at him in terms of ADP drafting him? I mean, we know I know that we both love to draft really uh, teams on really good offenses, and obviously he would fit that category being on Green Bay. No, I, I, I mean, I. 
I don't think that stat really does much in terms of my opinion on Randall Cobb, just because Randall Cobb has been in the league a while. Um, we've seen him. I mean, we've seen Jordy Nelson miss a whole year with an injury. We've seen Devontae Parker. Miss, I mean, not Devontae Parker. Devontae Parker in my head now. Devontae Adams missed time. Um, Randall Cobb is what he is. He's going in the seventh round. So I, I, I like his value. I don't love it. Um, he's no one I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be targeting. But I think he is somebody that people are sleeping on a little bit. Um, so I don't know. I... I like it's hard not to like Green Bay receivers. We like them every single year. So I have a little bit of a Randall Cobb fatigue because, like I always say, he's he's one of those players I feel like has been in the league for an eternity. Um, but I I like him not so much just because of that stat. But I I think he's going to have a pretty good year, and he's only twenty seven years old. Yeah, I mean maybe there is a little bit of Randall Cobb fatigue, but you know it, it happens often where people try and pivot to. Oh, this other receiver that's going later that we haven't really seen. So because we've seen Randall Cobb and he hasn't produced a really good year in several years, let's go to Geronimo Allison. We talked about Geronimo Allison. Hey, let's combo him with Devontae Adams. I like the strategy. But I think in the same sense, why not Randall Cobb? He had a good start of the season when Aaron Rodgers was healthy last year. He clearly is still running well enough to create an, enough separation. So I think he should be in the mix in terms of those middle to late wide receivers. Agreed. Um, my next stat is, you know, pretty simple one. I am a simple man, uh, Jeff. So I have a simple stat for you. Over the past two seasons, we, we know who, who the number one guy is. Um, in terms of touchdowns at the wide receiver position, that is Antonio Brown. Do you number? Do, or do you know who the number two guy is over the past two seasons, three seasons rather? Sorry, in total touchdowns, Antonio Brown, pretty easy one over the past three seasons. Total he's touchdowns, far and away number one. So not uh, uh, re- receiving touchdowns. Three, sorry, three three seasons. Yes, he not DeAndre Hopkins, right? Because he missed that one year that was a little down. Is that right? Yeah, he, he had a, a down 2016, I believe. Um, Not Mike Evans, because he also had one of those down years, too. 2016, the same... Or no, 2015, and, and last year he was light on touchdowns. All right, so enlighten me. Doug Baldwin with 29 touchdowns over the past three seasons. Wow, our boy Dougie Baldwin. Dougie Baldwin in... You know, an interesting one because he's he's not someone he's not one that would immediately pop like jump jump and jump to mind as as the number two guy. You have Julio, you have Odell Beckham, DeAndre Hopkins, Mike Elliott. You said AJ Green, um, Jordy Nelson. So he's number two, and where he's going, you know, his injury situation is worth you know monitoring, obviously. But he's someone that's continuing to drop. I mean, he's going in. You know, late in the third right, third round right now, three point zero seven. This is a guy who is as solid as they come, as consistent as they come. They added Brandon Marshall, but they lose Jimmy Graham, they lose Paul Richardson. Their running game is kind of up in the air. They have a few running backs there. You know, Chris Carson, the rookie, Rashard Penny, and they're going to need to move the ball. Their defense it seems like it's it's, it's deteriorating, getting worse and worse every single year. They're going to be throwing the ball early and often. So if Doug Baldwin can get on the field. At the age of 29, he's still not in that 30-plus you know, 30 club yet. I expect another really good season out of Doug Baldwin, and getting somebody like Doug Baldwin in the third round is an absolute steal. Yep, as long as he's healthy. you know That's the big thing here, and maybe we should take a minute to, to kind of see who we take over Doug Baldwin because 
That is the big question. I don't think there's any question with us. We've always liked Doug Baldwin. We've always projected Seattle to keep throwing more over the last couple seasons. Russell Wilson we've bought into. Doug Baldwin we've bought into. And that has really paid dividends for us over the last couple years. He's 29 right now. He is going to turn 30. And I think we talked about that in the draft series. Um, but mm-hmm. let's let's go through. Actually, real quick, I want to back up your stat. I, I actually had a stat that Doug Baldwin came up on. Um, and then we'll talk about Doug Baldwin's ADP scenario to kind of give some people some light because this is a big question for people. But Doug Baldwin, also, I was looking up fantasy playoff stats over the last three seasons. It's funny you look at Doug Baldwin over the last three seasons too, and I love this tool that we have. We can just start filtering by seasons in a second. Doug Baldwin has scored the second most touchdowns during the fantasy playoffs over the last three seasons. To your point, he was second over the entire season. He is also second during the fantasy playoffs. So um, let's get to the ADPs, though. I, w- I really want to know where you're taking Doug Baldwin in terms of other receivers. Let's not start dividing it between all tight ends that start going there yep. and running backs. Uh, let me jump in and start with Doug Baldwin or... And this is assuming the draft is is tonight, right? And we don't have any other information to go off of. Right. The, the Seahawks are insisting he's going to start. He's going to be he's going to be available week one, but we know how these things go. And um, it's Seattle. Out of all teams that you really can't trust, it's Pete Carroll. He is, mm-hmm. you know, the most optimistic person on earth. You know, everyone is glorious. This person is phenomenal. Rashard Penny is great at at uh, pass blocking. As soon as the draft is over in in April, but now we can't pass block, and now Chris Carson's awesome. So it's Seattle. It's Pete Carroll. Um, they're projecting him to start week one. This is all we have to go off of. Larry Fitzgerald or Doug Baldwin at the end of the third round? Doug Baldwin. All right. Let's move up. Um, let's try this one. Tyreek Hill or Doug Baldwin? I'm going to go Tyreek Hill. Okay. Um, Adam Thielen. That's a tough one. I think I think I would as of lean today. towards Adam. Yeah, I would go Adam Thielen just because I think he's as sure a thing as as it comes for in terms of fantasy uh, production. And they have Kirk Cousins, who I'm I couldn't be any higher on a quarterback or a player than I am on Kirk Cousins this year. I think he's going to be a stud. So I'd go Adam Thielen. Okay, so I think I know your spot, and I think I'm in the exact same spot as you. It's we don't know anything about Doug Baldwin, so let's go ahead and give me the points. With Adam Thielen, Tyree Kill, Stefan Diggs, T.Y. Hilton, Mike Evans. But because of Doug Baldwin's history and the fact um, of his upside, let's go ahead and take him over Larry Fitzgerald, Amari Cooper, and Jarvis Landry. Yeah, and Larry Fitzgerald is close. I mean, that, that's, that's you know, if you're asking this question a week from now and his status is, is still murky at best, I, I might go with Larry Fitzgerald. I think those two are very close in general. But Doug Baldwin just has a lot more upside, which is why I would go with him. All right, I love it. All right, my next one. Here's an interesting stat, Seth. You know me. i got to pull out these weird, interesting stats. Um, And this one is targeted air yards percentage. Do you have any idea what that is? I do not, know. Okay. It's pretty simple. I don't think a lot of people necessarily look at this, and, and I don't typically look at it a lot, but what it does is it gives you an idea of how often a certain player, mostly receiver, is used or targeted in terms of the amount of yards 
for a certain team. So obviously, a lot we see it a lot happen where a lot of receivers go down around someone, and then someone gets an inflated target percentage, right? Um, if it's Mike Evans a few years ago when he was over 170, certain target numbers are just unsustainable. But what you want to see is you want to see this certain player, players, you know, whoever it might be, still heavily utilized in the offense. The more committee or the more the ball gets passed around, the the more harder it is for their, their uh, certain players' upside, even if they're really, really good. So the the person with the highest targeted air yards percentage, and, and it's described as this distance in yards measured between uh, the receiver. Uh, no, it is, I copied the wrong thing here. It is the amount of attempted yards to a receiver compared to the team, overall team's attempted yards. Okay, so if a player was attempted 100 yards and the overall team tried to attempt uh, 200 air yards in a certain game, then 50% of that total team's air yards went to only one player. The highest for 2017 was our boy, A.J. Green, at 46%. Yep, and another player that continues to get overlooked because he's – He's just been doing it for so long, and there's so many other players that have had really good seasons over the past, you know, two or three years that are, are kind of sexier, like Odell Beckham, Michael Thomas, Keenan Allen, Mike Evans. Um, AJ Green is just as sure a thing as they come, and he is one of, and this, you know, no coincidence that he is one of our our favorite been on one of our favorite players hello it is ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day couldn't we just to make up for things like sitting in traffic doing the dishes counting your steps you know all the mundane stuff that is why i'm such a big fan of chumba casino chumba casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. For a while, somebody who's going at the end of the second round, you can't go wrong with AJ Green. Nope. And most of these players at the very top are the elite of the elite, right? AJ Green is number one. Julio Jones is number two. DeAndre Hopkins is number three. Antonio Brown is one, two, three, four. Michael Thomas is up there. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. Number six was Robbie Anderson at 38%. Very interesting. He was a, a lone target there. Uh, I love AJ Green because he kind of gets overlooked in the second, in the second round. Um, and if you're drafting a stud running back and you end up with AJ Green as your second player, I mean, just talk about money in the bank. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, the opposite of money in the bank is a player um, that I am going to bring my next stat up about. And I, you know, this is an, another important reason why it's so important to look at stats and to kind of try and be as objective as possible and take your, 
your, your kind of your biases out of the equation. Um, you know what you think about certain players. I, I, looking at the tight end position, the the tight end with the most touchdowns over the past three seasons, right? So over the past three seasons, decent sample size for tight ends is obviously Rob Gronkowski, number one. Guess who is number third? Or guess who's number third? Guess who is number? Guess who the number two and three tight ends are? Total touchdowns over the past three seasons. Travis Kelsey. Nope. Three seasons. Kelsey is sixth. Six. You see, yep. we were off for Kelsey for a little while, then came back on him once he started actually producing. So that kind of makes sense. Um, I don't know. You have to enlighten me on this one too. Kyle, Kyle Rudolph, number two, with 20 touchdowns. Jordan Reed's number three Interesting. with, with 19 touchdowns. And I bring that up for a couple reasons. Jordan Reed is somebody that we, we always kind of – we always kind of take digs at, you know, say he's not worth drafting ever again. His ADP is 8.03, so it should be much lower considering it seems like he's never on the field. I don't think he's but on the I, field right now. He's he's back at practicing was the last thing I read. But the, the, here's the thing with Jordan He's always injured, yes. But aside from last year where he only played six games, I mean, he's played nine games or more every single year in his career. Nine games his rookie year. And he played over 11 or more the three years after that. And this is somebody, when he's healthy is a an absolute touchdown machine and someone who's also you know somebody who can also get 60 to 80 catches like he's a a high volume reception tight end as well and i know you know this is somebody that i'm probably not going to own if i have to get him in the eighth round but if you can get him you know ninth tenth round or later obviously jordan reed is somebody that can win you your league if he can stay healthy and obviously that's the the age-old question with jordan reed but Outside of Gronkowski, he's probably the most talented tight end in in all in the entire NFL, especially from a fantasy perspective. So if he's on the field, he is a complete matchup nightmare, um, and someone who has to be accounted for. And his he's an, like I said, he's an absolute touchdown machine going in the eighth round. Oh, really, I'm going to reel you truth. back in a little bit there on the Jordan Reed um, conversation. I mean, in terms of uh, talent, I'd still take Travis Kelsey's talent over Jordan Reed. And part of talent is being um, available, right, which he is not. Uh, he is back to practice. Congratulations. You know, his repaired toe kept him out of a couple preseason games. This toe, man, this singular toe has cost him so many millions of dollars. Don't you think it would just be easier if he just cut it off? No, it'd be so much easier if we just cut it off. It's just one toe. I mean, he's talking about we're talking about millions of dollars here. Um and then he, and then a virus kept him sidelined during Saturday's practice. A virus. So between viruses and toes, Jordan Reed can't get away from himself. I'm sure it's only a matter of another week before he's back on the sideline. You're right, though. In terms of when he's on the field, he's a beast. There's no doubt about that. Um, I just, you know, I, you obviously can't count on him. And then you have to deal with the whole bench situation, which I hate. I just, I don't want to deal with someone who. I, I can't start. I got to keep on the bench. I can't drop. Those scenarios are the worst. So yeah, and, he, and you can have a short lease with Jordan Reed if you draft him. If he if he goes if he gets injured and he's he's not out there for the first two or three weeks, or he gets injured after week one, he's out. You're you're going to drop him. But I also think that we talked about our tight end strategy. If you do get Jordan Reed late in the eighth round, ninth round, whenever, and then you can go and grab somebody like a David Njoku, um, late in the ninth or tenth, or someone like a, a George Kittle. You know, as long as you're not grabbing Tyler Eifert, I mean, between him and Jordan Reed, you know, they're very, you know, that's not 
great yeah. odds right there. But I like the idea of getting Jordan Reed, Jordan Reed, knowing that you might not be able to depend on him. So you grab another tight end um, that can start just in case. But at least you have him for the upside. Yeah, you know, it, it's a good stat, though. It's a good stat. It's a good reminder that this guy is so impactful. And while his eighth round is still a bit too high, we're all in different drafts that have different people dropping. So if he does drop a couple rounds, and you're going to say, hey, you know what? This guy's got by far the most upside to who's available. So knowing his history, I think that's a good stat. And who who is the other tight end you said? I just kind of went off on a tangent on Jordan Reed. Oh, Kyle Rudolph was number two. Yeah, he's steady. He he he's and, and he's getting Kirk Cousins. So it's kind of funny. Kirk Cousins is leaving Jordan Reed and is going to play with Kyle Rudolph, who is number two. And Kyle Rudolph, I think, played like 13 more games than Jordan Reed. So, you know, it's... He's been much more consistent, um, 16 more games to be exact. So basically a full season, more than Jordan Reed, one more touchdown. I, I like Kyle Rudolph, too. We talked about him a lot. I mean, he's getting Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins loves throwing to his tight ends. It did help that he had somebody like a Jordan Reed who you know, is a touchdown monster no matter who's throwing in the ball, probably. But Kyle Rudolph's value is, you know, his, his stock is going up with Kirk Cousins. No doubt about that. Yeah, I mean, he's had, what, that one main season when we broke it down where he had 132 targets. I mean, I just talked about this in terms of the targeted air yard percentage and has a little bit to do with, with targets, too. It's If you have an inflation one year, if you can't sustain 130 targets, which is what he did in 2016, then I don't know how you're going to ever replicate those numbers, and people are still kind of drafting you around that area. Now he's not going overly early. You're going to get a very consistent um available 16 games for the last 3 years type of tight end. So I don't think you're going to hurt your team. I just think that you might be able to get similar production later, but to your point, you know, you're going to get a very solid guy at the same time. So sometimes it's worth paying up for people that you just you say, "Hey, you know what? I like how the rest of my draft went." Um I happen to get, you know, all my running backs, all my wide receivers. I still have to worry about um, QB and tight end. So instead of waiting on both of those positions even longer, then let me go ahead and get my tight end because I feel a little bit easier streaming QBs than I do streaming tight ends. I could get behind that strategy. Question for you. While we're on the tight end position topic, you obviously have Jordan Reed, 28 years old, kind of still in his prime, but he's never on the field. I know we're, we're not a big fan of him, and we're also not a big fan of somebody like a Delaney Walker. We don't really talk about him a lot. He's kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum. He's 34 years old, kind of as as sure a thing as it comes. Number one in the past three years in terms of total receiving yards at the tight end position. Um, third in targets. So he's going around before Jordan Reed. Is, is Delaney Walker, I mean, would you rather have Delaney Walker in the seventh round, or would you rather have Jordan Reed in the eighth? And they're they're kind of complete opposites in terms of what they, you know, what they bring to you. I mean, Delaney Walker is you just you know kind of not put him down for so this you know, is just solid numbers every week. Jordan Reed is kind of like a, a hail mary rolling the dice. So Delaney Walker is going the same spot as Kyle Rudolph, and I just looked up by the way real quick. Kyle Rudolph's never caught more than fifty-seven balls, except for once, twenty sixteen. So the question is, Delaney Walker or Jordan Reed? I mean, again, Delaney Walker has played 15 or 16 games for eternity, pretty much. I'm looking at his games played. 
And he was, um, he was number one over the past three years in, in targets, third in, in yards, so I had him backwards. Yep, and but very consistent. over 100 targets uh, for the last four years. And you're talking about a, you don't know, Corey Davis, second-year player. They don't have Eric Decker anymore. Rashard Matthews hasn't even reported to camp. I like Taiwan Taylor as a sneaky play in that offense. We've talked about that more than once as a good bench strategy play. I would definitely say Delaney Walker over Jordan Reed if that's the question. Yeah, I think it's a good question because when you're at that point in the draft, it, it's kind of you're right on the edge of, um, like you you want to you want to take the points like we always say, but you're 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 still at a point where you're looking for upside, but you're not so late in the draft where you're just gonna you know go for complete hail marys and and roll the dice. You know, Delaney Walker is safe enough, but he he just lacks the upside and that someone like a Jordan Reed has. If you know you can get Jordan Reed around later. It, it, Sometimes it's hard to to kind of resist that temptation of getting somebody who has that kind of upside. Um, but right, and, and and why we've all and why we mentioned in our strategy too, not to go back to that too much. But you know, one of the reasons why we're like just wait on the tight end is because who else can we get here? Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup's one of our, our guys. You know, so so let me flip this back to you real quick without getting too sidetracked, but you know, I think this is kind of relevant and good conversational speak in terms of the draft. Um, would you rather have Delaney Walker or Cooper Cup? I mean, without knowing what my team looks to that point in the draft, like if I had to start a team, you know, if I had to forfeit my seventh round pick and I could start my team with Delaney Walker or, or Cooper Cup, I think I think I would rather have Cooper Cup. Just because I, I like the idea or the potential of getting Kelsey in the third, Ertz in the fourth. I like that situation a lot more. And I also like in our tight end strategy, I like the idea of just waiting and, and grabbing a couple of those later tight ends like the David Njoku types. So I think I, I'd go Cooper Cup, but it, it's close. I mean, I, I just don't like – Delaney Walker really doesn't have a ton of upside, and he's 34 years old. Um, so I just – I don't know. We talked about our, our 30, 30-year-old – player episode i don't think we mentioned delaney walker but it is you know with 34 that's that's probably close to where i would draw the line especially when somebody like cooper cup who had such a good rookie season entering his sophomore campaign i think i would go cooper cup i would definitely go cooper cup too um and uh, one more quick question before i try and go on to my stat is Say the Chargers sign Antonio Gates, which a lot of us are anticipating, everyone in the media and et cetera. Where does he fall in here? Are you like, okay, I can get Antonio Gates in the 12th, 13th round. Let me go get that. I know it's only nine points a week, but it's Antonio Gates, and I'll match him up with Njoku, or I'll match him up with Kittle, or I'll match him up with someone else. I mean, or in terms of like, how are you thinking about Antonio Gates, assuming he gets I- signed? Yeah, I look at Antonio Gates right after Njoku. Njoku is the 11th tight end right now, 9.07 ADP. I look at Antonio Gates kind of right in the after Dave Njoku, but right, you know, maybe a little before Jack Doyle at 10 in the 10th round. I think Antonio Gates is a 10th, 11th round tight end, wow. especially considering there's no Hunter Henry. Njoku has really flown up the ADP charts. I mean, he was he not just a 12th, 13th round tight end a couple weeks uh, when we were recording our draft series? Then he catches two tight ends. Uh, two, he catches two tight ends. <laughs> he catches two touchdowns in a, in, in a preseason game. I guess that's what's going to happen. Yeah, and, and a lot of those tight ends have such low upside that someone like Nathan Njoku actually has a little upside, and I think a lot of people are excited with the potential of Baker Mayfield. 
Um, so I think that, you know, you might as well go and David Njoku over some of these other guys who are really big question marks, like someone like O.J. Howard or Tyler Eifert, who is another tight end that can't stay on the field. All right, moving along. Uh, Finally good, here. Right? Yeah, good good info, though, and good conversation. I think I think we really had to talk that one out. That was a good stat. Uh, this is probably my favorite stat. I think uh, I think we each have one or two more here. I think I've got two more. Um, this is probably my favorite stat out of all of mine. All of Carlos Hyde's touchdowns, that's why I love this new tool that we have, all of Carlos Hyde's touchdowns came in the red zone last year. Every single one. And he was on San Francisco. And half of those touchdowns came with Jimmy G in the last few weeks. So my kind of thinking here is, again, I'm just not I'm not looking for a certain player and stats. I just saw this, and this is intriguing to me. Is Cleveland going to get in the red zone as often as San Francisco did? Considering that without Jimmy G... For the first, what, 12 weeks, Carlos Hyde only had four touchdowns, and they were, all came from the red zone. Probably not. So, that, so that's a big issue. When you think about Carlos Hyde and his health is another big issue, and the fact that he's just on, on Cleveland, which I guess goes to the whole him not getting as many red zone opportunities, and them drafting Nick Chubb and Duke Johnson there um, as you know one of the top three most targeted receivers at the running back position over the past three seasons um but when i look at carlos hyde he's going in the eighth round so those question marks those concerns are already baked into where he's being drafted as far as i'm concerned so i actually like carlos hyde a lot that's a good point i mean he's going in the eighth round i think it also gives you perspective in terms of actually what kind of player he is right because you look at tyree kill he's not scoring his touchdowns in the red zone which i'd have to go pull up that to see how many he's scoring in the red zone, but Carl's Hyde needs to get in the red zone in order to score a touchdown. Otherwise, he doesn't have the dynamic playability. It's you know just in terms of at least last year's numbers, and I'm sure on average they're similar. He needs to be in the red zone and close to the goal line in order to be scoring. He's not scoring from 50 yards out. But I I also wonder though, and we both I think we're both kind of bullish on Cleveland's offense, not their team, but with Todd Haley as the offensive coordinator. You know, the drafting Baker Mayfield, having Jarvis Landry, you know, and they, Josh Gordon's a bonus at this, at this point. You know, we don't think either one of us are banking on Josh Gordon being there, but that's, you know, completely icing on the cake. Carlos Hyde, uh, Cleveland's offense could be as, you know, close to as good as San Fran's was last year with Jimmy G. Um, and, you know, if Carlos Hyde was still in San Francisco and there was no Jarek McKinnon there, he would be somebody that would be going in probably the third round, right? So eighth round still... Even amidst those concerns, um, I think eighth round is still still a steal. Even if you know those stats are something more than just an aberration in terms of you know all those scores coming in the red zone, I, I'm still bullish on Carlos Hyde, assuming he can stay healthy. That's to me is the biggest question mark with Carlos Hyde. He's he's done a pretty decent job, I think, as of late to stay healthy, but he's got a. Um, I think I think his ADP is pretty respectable, especially if you're in the situation where, you know, maybe you go wide receivers a little bit early and you kind of need of a sure thing, at least early on. Say you get Mark Ingram in the fifth, Carlos Hyde might be a really good guy to get a round or, you know, a couple rounds earlier to know, hey, you know what, Carlos Hyde, at the very least early in the season, he's going to be the guy. Maybe Nick Chubb takes yep. over, maybe he doesn't. That might be a good scenario strategy to, to team them up or something like that. 
Yeah, and that's why I don't always like to just talk about specific ADP, but I think it's also I think it's also good to talk about what what group of players running backs are going around where he's going because you know it, it could be a couple picks off, but in general, when you look you look at the players that are going around him at, at the, the running back position, Isaiah Crowell, Jamal Williams, Marlon Mack, Chris Carson, all going ahead of him. You know, I, I like him better probably than every single one of those running backs. And then the running backs that are going in the same round as him, Aaron Jones, who's missing a couple games, part of that three-headed running back monster in Green Bay, and, and Duke Johnson, somebody who is as one-dimensional as they come. And with the addition of Carl's Hyde and drafting Nick Chubb, Duke Johnson's going to continue to be one-dimensional. I, I love Carl's Hyde having that balance of, you know, he's a safe pick because he's going to get the guaranteed touches, we think, right out the gate. And he's got upside based on what we saw last season being in a, a good offense. So at that point in the draft with running backs, I'm looking for somebody who I know is going to get touches, you know, carries and somebody that still has some upside, you know, the, the next round later you have CJ Anderson, no upside Ty Montgomery, limited upside Peyton Barber. So I, I just love the balance of upside and, um, you know, consistency, safety, whatever you want to call it with Carlos Hyde. All right, sounds like you're a little bit higher on him than me. He is a Cleveland Browns person, so I've been notoriously, you know, just avoiding uh, those types of players. But let me uh, let me hear what else you got. Okay, so Carson Wentz had the highest average rating in 2017 with 25%. It's sorry, aggressive rating and aggressiveness for you know if you're if you're wondering tracks the amount of passing attempts a quarterback makes that are into tight coverage where there is a defender within one yard or less of the receiver at the time of the completion or incompletion. So uh, aggressiveness is shown as a percentage of attempts into tight windows, overall passing attempts. So to put it in perspective, you know, 25% 25 of Carson Wentz's, um, you know, that was his aggressive rating. Brady's was 17%. Breeze and Rivers was 16%. But that tells me, and I don't know what it what it tells you, but Carson Wentz just has a much a much lower margin for error than some of the other quarterbacks based on the talent he has at the receiver positions. Um, I, I, what does it tell you? Well, that's we a great. You know what? I, I'm. This is why sometimes we need two people to dissect a stat because I initially thought, huh. Carson Wentz is throwing balls he shouldn't be throwing. But I think your point is extremely valid. How do you throw a ball to Alshon Jeffrey if, going back to my stat in terms of highest separation, Albert Wilson has the highest at 4.1. Alshon Jeffrey doesn't have 4.1 yards per separation. You have to throw the ball to Alshon Jeffrey in whatever his is. And I'm going to try and look this up um, as we talk here. But that's a great point. It's not necessarily that he's making bad decisions. You know, it's it's that the fact that he doesn't necessarily have the weapons to throw to wide open people all the time. And I'm a little I don't know if I've worried is, you know, worried might be overstating. I'm not too worried about Carson Wentz because I do think what he did last season, I think it was the real deal. I don't think it was a fluke or or anything of that sort. But I am kind of worried he might not play week one. The Eagles as a team are coming off um, a Super Bowl victory. A lot of times there's that Super Bowl hangover. Um, Alshon Jeffrey is already banged up. You have Nick Foles, who was the, you know, that he, he was that what that the Super Bowl MVP had the game of his life. And now he's the backup. He's got, you know, Nick Foles kind of lurking 
uh, you know, right over his head. Um, and he just had the degree of difficulty based on that stat and other things. I mean, he was, the, I think, the best quarterback in the NFL in terms of third down percentage. Um, you know, they what they were able to do on third down as a team was kind of off the charts. So if any of these things kind of regress back to the mean or, or there's just no margin for error with Carson Wentz. So I'm not too worried about him, I guess. But he, you know, when people look at him as as a top two or three fantasy quarterback, I just think he has a lot more question marks than than obviously the Tom Brady's or the Aaron Rodgers or even the Drew Brees have. No, I completely agree. I think that he is clearly should not be drafted in the elite spot, the elite category, the elite tier. Um, and he is on many instances. Um, he is a great real life quarterback, but coming off the injury, not playing all preseason, too many good quarterbacks to get around there. Uh, the draft capital take him is not smart. I don't think the uh, extremely high unsustainable touchdown rate, which we've talked about is another good reason. So I'm completely on board. I'm basically on a full fade, Carson Wentz, and he's one of my favorite quarterbacks in the league. It has nothing to do with me not liking yeah. Carson Wentz. I mean, because you don't have, if there's a position in fantasy you don't have to take these chances at, it's quarterbacks. There's so many good quarterbacks. We just talked about Kirk Cousins, um, how how much we like him, where he's going, the ninth quarterback taken. So, and the other thing with, with Philadelphia that kind of scares me, if, if I'm drafting Carson Wentz early, is they don't need to rush him along. They just saw they just won the Super Bowl with Nick Foles, and Nick Foles played good throughout the whole playoffs to him for you know the, the latter part of the season when he played. Nick Foles is probably the best backup quarterback in the NFL. So do, I mean, do you think Philadelphia is going to risk rushing Carson Wentz onto the field, or if he, you know, he gets banged up or, or you know has another injury, are they going to rush him back onto the field? I think they're going to be as patient as possible. They know they need him for the playoffs. They have Nick Foles who can win games in the meantime. And as a fantasy owner or potential fantasy owner, Carson Wentz, that, you know, that kind of scares me. And I looked up Alshon Jeffrey's separation, by the way. OMG. Bad. <laughs> like, like, I'm so glad that we said to avoid this guy and just stay away. I mean, it has nothing really to do with only this stat, but it's just like, it's just typical Alshon Jeffrey. You can't stay healthy. He's not healthy now. He miraculously stayed healthy last year to get his contract he needed. But out of a minimum of 43 targets for receivers, Alshon Jeffrey was dead last at 1.8 yards separation. Dead last. Uh, Nelson Aguilar had a pretty respectable number at three, which is uh, pretty respectable, which is more than enough in uh, what you need in the NFL. Um, but Alshon Jeffrey, uh, a putrid 1.8. So I think it's probably a combination of maybe both. You know, one out of every four throws to that aggressiveness um, percentage for Carson Wentz is probably still too high. That's just that. That's just too high. It's not like Tom Brady's thrown to completely wide open people all the time. He had no Edelman. He's thrown to you know a bunch of white players. He's thrown to backs out of the backfield. Um, it probably not necessary for Carson Wentz to be at twenty five percent. But also on part, you know, he has Alshon Jeffrey who's getting one point eight yard separation on average. Yep, it kind of it, someone's got to help out Carson Wentz this year, and it doesn't seem like it's going to be Alshon Jeffrey. All right, Seth, uh, my last stat here to wrap this up here. I wanted to bring up something that I think is going to be a little bit better for our kind of in-season, week-to-week, should I start this player, should I not, especially for people in our private group message. Um, nonetheless, 
pretty interesting stat, the type of granular information we can get. I want to look at players playing head coaches, and that's one of the things we can kind of pull data from, which is intriguing. I figured Bill Belichick is a good person to kind of go kind of after and against. He schemes against certain players. He's been around for a little while. Over the last three years, with anyone who played a minimum of three games against Bill Belichick, which is a lot of players, really, uh, there's only one player... Only one player that averaged over 100 scrimmage yards against Bill Belichick over the last three seasons with a minimum of three games. And that is LaShawn McCoy. He actually had five games, and he averaged 119 yards. Only player. Pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, and he's also led the NFL in rushing yards um, over the past three seasons, too. So... He is, and that's one of the reasons why I like him. I know he's over the age of thirty, but you know he's going in what the end of the second, early third round ish. I got to look at his updated, you know, where his updated. I think he's dropping ADP a little is. bit because of you know the offense, and we talked a lot about we kind of really dis- yeah. yeah, we talked about we dissected this a little bit. I, I, I'm still off of McCoy, um, but this is going to be interesting stats and information that we're going to be able to pull up and say, okay, just because McCoy's playing new England, there's nothing to be worried about here. Um, you know, and plug and play whoever it is coach, you know, against uh, Wade Smith's uh, Wade Phillips defense or et cetera. So I, I still thought it was interesting. I still thought it was credit to McCoy. Yeah. And I, I think those numbers against new England are going to continue with how, um, you know, how shaky the new England Patriots look at the linebacker position this year. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up our episode stats that you guys need to know. I hope everyone has been able to have a chance and go back and listen to our 12 part draft series. Make sure you hit us up online, NFLTalkingHeads.com, with any questions you might have. um, And find us on Twitter, Instagram, and NFL Talking Heads. You can join and get the draft grid the step-by-step draft grid and join the private group messaging at talkingheadsnation.com and if you guys enjoy the show do us a favor and just hit that subscribe button that means a lot to us every episode that we release especially when it comes to season time you're going to get those new waiver wire episodes uh alerts and notifications so hit subscribe and leave us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast app. Where are the NFL Talking Heads? Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the NFL Talking Heads Fantasy Football Podcast Show. Try saying that three times fast. With your hosts, Jeff Carrier and Seth Lowe. We'll catch you next time.